0: Hi, welcome to I'm Woke and Tired. I'm Miranda. I'm Chelsea. Today we're going to talk about, basically I'm here to critique the entire foundation of the American education system, because I think we've had a lot of podcasts where Chelsea kind of leads it, and you see her radical self. This is probably the area in which I am most radical in is education, because I was an educational studies minor, and I had a very um, leftist teacher teaching it, so like I've just kind of been radicalized in that realm of education, and we're really going to talk about the emphasis of economic development and the focus on that in our education system and how basically we are people who go to school to get jobs to make money. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, you won't hear me talk as much, but whatever. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so I thought this was interesting for us to have a podcast about this because I've actually always talked about this, not in the theory terms because I didn't know that, but we've watched documentaries about this and just the notion that school really has become where s- students are just like always going, going to the next thing and they're never actually thinking about what they're doing. There's no focus on the development. It's mm-hmm. just like, you have to get to the next spot, which is, we all know, like the next, the thing you're taught as a kid is to go to college, right? We have to go to college. Everything you do in your life is to go to college, which is really crazy. And, But then it leads to a point of like, well, and then you have to get a job, but it doesn't leave you, what else is after that? Like, are you really done? Mm -hmm. No, you're not done developing. You're not done. So it's like, it doesn't go beyond that and doesn't actually focus on learning Mm -hmm. anything.
0: Because yeah, something that I was introduced to really in my early days of educational theory was like, she would pretty much in the beginning of all of our classes was, what is the point of education? Like, what do you think in your head is the point of education? And most people would say economic, like you're here to learn to get a job and things like that. Even if you don't like the American education system, you still think that way. Um, And then she'd be like, why is it that? Is that it? Like, is there nothing else? And, you know, it's also this idea of like education is like the great equalizer. It's your doorway to the world. It's like the most important thing you can get. So I think even if you don't know like the theory behind it, you'll probably still recognize a lot of these concepts um, in just like your everyday world. And it's always nice to have like words to match with what you're talking about. So let's talk about defining human capital theory. So I guess in the realm of education, this means people are resources for profit. So we're just like an aspect of capitalism where we exchange services for currency kind of thing to make money for the capitalist system. When applied to more educational theory or policy, it means education is a means of economic development. So you get an education like we were talking about to get a job, to make money, and that kind of thing. In the US, my like kind of thought process is that this actually leads to a pattern of class stagnation. So basically the poor get poorer and the rich get richer kind of thing because A lot of our educational funding is based on property taxes. So if you live in a more expensive house or a more expensive area, your schools have more funding, more resources than if you're more lower class, which also goes into race because typically people of color live in lower income areas. Their schools have less resources, have less money. And that's just a cycle that keeps going on and on and on. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and also, I mean this is kind of diverging but it has to do with that of like we funded on property taxes but also there's so much a part of um how education is supposed to you know like get you a job whatever that's not talked about and it's actually connections right it mm-hmm. has nothing to do with school and that also plays into it because if you're all wealthy people going to the same school your the resources are in the school well also then the right people are parents are going to that school Mm -hmm. right and that connects you and that helps you get jobs and so that's also a dynamic of that which is why i mean you'll clearly hear that we don't think the education system in america is worth shit so that's also a problem it has like even if they did have the resources somehow there's still like Mm -hmm. connections that would play a part into why like certain people aren't going to succeed or not
0: yeah because like i kind of have this ideology that like the three main issues in the world are patriarchy capitalism and racism and they are all interconnected and I think this is one of the points where like capitalism and racism kind of come together yeah. and kind of kind of just create situations where you have a lot of racist ideologies that other Latinos and black people especially are undereducated and basically that they're stupid like I think there is that stereotype in a lot of people's minds to this day and part of the reason is like we don't put emphasis on their schools in a lot of ways we don't teach things that are relevant to them um, and honestly one topic we went over that was honest, like a mind blowing thing for me is about language. So like we have this standard English versus African-American vernacular, or even like Spanglish or things like that, that other people are used to. And this goes to the point that most of our like teacher population is white. Most of like administration schools is white. So there's just this idea that standard English is the only appropriate form of English, even though other forms of speaking such as Spanglish or African-American vernacular are languages of themselves and to just like demonize and teach them out of people is a problematic aspect and it actually is a traumatic experience for a lot of um children of color because they go like basically learning at like five years old that like their way of speaking and communicating is incorrect
1: yeah i actually think that's that definitely happened to me of course but yeah I actually read something on Twitter. See, this is where Twitter becomes <laughs> useful. Um, even though I, I still don't like Twitter, but it's also kind of fun when you find a bunch of leftists on the Twitter. But actually, someone experienced this when they were in, I think, undergraduate or graduate school, and their teacher was like, "Well, you don't write the right way," and yeah. she felt like a certain type of way about it. But like her, I think she had enough people in her corner to be like, "It doesn't matter," so that she continued. She had like she ended up getting her PhD mm-hmm. and like it's published and whatever so she's like fuck you teacher but that is a problem of just saying well they don't write the exact way that you want
0: that that i want you to
1: exactly and it's kind of exactly they don't want and that's why with when you have teachers um grading papers sometimes that worries me because it's like Mm -hmm. well you don't think that's the right way to write but does that make sense Mm -hmm. like are they making an argument like That's really the crux of, like, grading a paper, but it becomes more stylistic. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, you're grading me based off what you think is better, and not actually if my
0: papers make sense. In a lot of cases, this really happens not just in grading papers, which is obviously a core example, also just in the way people communicate. Like, I've had people in my school say, um, like, the way they say ask, or they'll say ax, and like, their teachers will just single-handle point them out in front of everybody. Like, don't do that. And I'm like... That's just how they talk. Like, if you understand it, it's a valid way of communication. And, um, which is a little bit off to, like, what we we're originally talking about. But it is something that, like, has started to grind my nerves. It's kind of like that culture with education is that you have to speak standard English, especially in, like, the U.S. Because there are so many different dialects. It also happens to, like, poor Southern people or things like that who speak in, like, very thick accents. I used to speak in a much th- thicker accent than I do now. Part of the reason I don't is because of schools. who are saying you can't say ain't or y'all or anything like that. Because it's just not correct.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's such a big thing. And because I remember thinking it was mm-hmm. like, yeah, like that. It was a word, or that it was. Typed. It is. It's in the
0: dictionary. Like I mean, it is a it word. Is,
1: now it is because it was added like a couple of years ago. But like when we were younger, it wasn't like if you wrote that in a paper or, or whatever, it was not going to recognize as a word. They'd be like, "What is that?" Right. Um. But yeah, that's like so funny I experienced that and it was just like what are you talking about my mom says it every time yeah.
0: but also like I think that's what people are talking about more is like in creating an anti-racist classroom part of the reason is to like really talk about language to really have an actual conversation with your students of like and I think it's okay to say you know there is a time and a place for you to use the language you are used to and there's a time and place to use standard English like if you're doing a formal paper or doing college applications they're going to want standard english and i think to communicate that in an effective way is okay like you can tell people that and they can understand that it's probably something they've already experienced just in their day-to-day life um but it's just the whole like don't use your dialects if they're not what my like white brain wants you to yeah but like going on from that from that tangent um really talking about development I think recently we've seen a huge emphasis on STEM. And part of that is because the job market is geared toward really engineering and technology right now. And of course, math goes into that, sciences and things of that. That is a huge field that has a lot of money in it and has a lot of jobs in it, which is why we're starting to see people like charter schools and whatnot being like, yeah, we're STEM schools. We are trying to put money into that instead of like specifically social studies or arts or things. So.
1: Yeah, which I think will end up just creating less people for the field, actually. Um, I don't think it's going to help. Like, I think the – can show when we had no child left behind, mm-hmm. right, that there was this emphasis, actually, on math and science. Like, that was the whole point, mm-hmm. actually, I think, was to increase the scores, especially in those two. And what did it do? Honestly, like, I it think honestly it honestly decreased work. scores. Exactly. Like, if you look at
0: PISA's, like, scores, PISA is, like, like – international tests that like a bunch of different countries participate in to kind of compare themselves with everywhere else the united states since its inception has always been mediocre we've always been right in the middle no matter what we do we're always right in the middle especially in math which is one of the big things i test in that it's like math and reading we are always like right in the middle of it and like no matter what we do whether it be typically increasing standardized testing for some reason we always score about the same as right in the middle we're always not where they want us to be which is like near the top with all the other like germany and all those places china's korea's
1: yeah and i just think it's they just shouldn't do that anymore um because i think it ends up actually neglecting also mm. probably the reading and history which is probably what we would do better in, mm-hmm. right? and right in any tests. because
0: i mean they still wouldn't do well in social studies but we can talk about social studies in a minute
1: i mean yeah but it's just like no that i feel like for our generation mm-hmm. Really neglected that, like even more than I feel like in past, because I mean think about where I think we were in elementary school. They started being like, oh well maybe every other day we talk about mm-hmm. social studies.
0: Yeah, I remember that we used to when I was like first second grade we'd alternate science and social studies. It was either each day or each week. I don't remember.
1: Exactly. And you're just like mm, I don't know if this is gonna really help me, which is why I actually <laughs> funny. I'm a political science major. Thought I was gonna be history and what was the my worst subject in elementary school social studies
0: <laughs> i didn't like social studies in elementary school we'll get to that in a second though um but i think actually no, since we're on the train of social studies especially in the united states social studies as a subject is inherently political the way it's taught and the way they want us to teach it is inherently political subject and part of the reason it's either neglected or straight up lies is because social studies specifically like american history courses in elementary middle school are how we get the national narrative that's kind of how they instill nationalism and patriotism in us as little kids. To say, oh yeah, we did all these great things in our history. And of course, brushing over like the Trail of Tears or slavery or anything like that. They kind of just wanna be like, yeah, it happened. But like, look at all these other things. Look at how we won the world wars or something like that. Yeah. And they'll put emphasis on those. And they'll de-emphasize or just ignore a lot of other things. Like there are certain things I didn't know ever happened. Like, what is it called? There was a repatriation period in the 1930s where a lot of Mexican-Americans and Mexican immigrants were basically scared out of the United States because they were basically being scapegoated for the Depression. Like, oh, they're stealing our jobs, which is a common narrative you've all heard. Like, Mexicans stealing your jobs. That's been going on since the 30s. And honestly, before then, where basically just like a million Mexican-Americans were scared out of the, the United States that most people don't know about. Yeah. They won't tell you that. Because that kind of disrupts your national narrative.
1: I mean, yeah. It's just so sad. You just told me that. And I was like, I didn't know that. But also, am I shocked? No. But <laughs> Oh,
0: I took an entire course on immigration history. It was a depressing yet great course to take. Um, and I think it's something we should all take because it's a mess. Um, but no, because I was talking about that. If we kind of just believe a certain narrative of the United States, we're not going to question anything else of we will keep going on with this development human capital theory of education and just keep going to our jobs just kind of going the ropes of how they want us to the status quo we're not going to question it we're not going to question motives and of course all these like mass protests and things ideally wouldn't happen in that kind of world except people with more access to information are starting to realize that they've been lied to their entire lives and are starting to get angry about it
1: yeah exactly thank god people are waking up um that but see that's what the craziest thing i think you could actually like this of only saying the positive things about america mm-hmm. has i think made it worse because when oh, yeah. people do wake up they get mad and they're right? even
0: more because it's almost like this intentional brainwashing you start to realize that's what it is and then the people who don't ever realize they just made it worse because you have all these straw mans of like this is america we're a free country. I have these rights, even though they don't really know what they're talking about. They just think they do based on a lot of them, high school educations. Because a lot of people just don't take history in college or they'll take like a Western Civ class, which is basically just like AP U.S. History. Um, they don't go deeper into it.
1: Yeah. Which I actually, biggest critique of college, I feel like that should actually be mandatory that you take mm-hmm. like at least like a history class. You don't have to take a poli-sci class because also there's a problem with poli-sci classes and how they are taught. Because I was talking to Miranda about mm-hmm. how a lot of my policy classes actually, whether well, we, we won't really talk about all the history. They
0: feed into it.
1: Yeah, exactly. They We won't talk about... Like, I took an American politics, like, one-on-one, and did we talk about the history of a lot of things in our country? No. We just talked about, oh,
0: I, had, <laughs> I was taking a... um, So, I took a modern political theory course just so I can... Because I do a lot of, like, political history. It's kind of my vibe. So, I wanted to know, like, political theory behind it. Because I didn't really know that part of it. And there was one girl who was trying to make the argument that the United States will never and has never done massive socialist reform. And our professor just, like, at the drop of fat was like, we had the New Deal. That was a massive socialist reform. And it's like, even in poli-sci, like, you just don't talk about those things a lot of times. Unless you have, like, a political historian. Because a lot of poli-sci people are political historians. But... They tend to be in the history department, which classic people don't necessarily take.
1: Yeah, exactly. I That actually same interaction happened when I was literally in Denmark. Mm-hmm. And someone in our class was like, that's never happened. And people were like, literally the new deal. Like, stop. And everyone was like, even though this was not socialist, it could have been. But then LBJ decided to be stupid. Literally the war on poverty was like the beginning of the United States having that second round. So, what are you talking about?
0: I mean, the argument could be made, we are, like, partially socialist. Just based on, like, I mean, it's not a lot. We, like, to act like we're anti-socialist. But, like, Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare. Exactly. Those are socialist programs. They're limited socialist programs, but they are socialist programs.
1: Yeah.
0: Or even just food stamps is a socialist program, when you think about it.
1: Exactly. So, it kills me But we just take those for granted. So, we don't really think about it. We take those for granted. I feel like, in some ways, yeah, I do see, like, food stamps being, like, same like as social security but people do not and in some ways i don't because i i want it to be something that's like like that's so mean status that it's not even funny anymore but at least social security um and medicare Mm -hmm. are really accessible to pretty much everyone right so it's like that's like the one thing where people are like oh yeah and even then that's probably gonna end sometime soon unfortunately
0: because ugh, we are going further and further like right which the united states is just a very conservative country from its inception um but that's like an entirely other podcast talking about american conservatism um and like as time goes on we become more and more and more conservative but yeah um to i want to touch on charter schools because i have a lot to say about charter schools
1: i'll start off first though (laughs) before someone gets started um so Even the notion of charter schools, I actually don't know a ton because uh, clearly I don't study education, but even the notion of it, I was just like, why on earth do you, would you create another school against another school that's already strapped for resources? Mm -hmm. I don't understand. You know, you're just like, "Mm." and then I had to go to a speaking lecture thing for where the Heritage Foundation lady was at, which is like, God help me. And... And also, there was another one we went to, and they said similar things where he was a libertarian, which don't trust libertarians. (laughs) (laughs) But they both were saying, like, oh, it will create competition for public schools. And I was like, okay, so you're going to create a competition between something that doesn't have enough funding, between something that's going to take some funding away, and it's going to be fine Mm -hmm. like no the thing the public school is not going to be able to compete we already know that because they don't have the resources (laughs) you're punishing them like no other because let's be honest the public schools especially if they're uh, most of the kids are minorities Mm -hmm. the police are always going to be there right it's just like are you kidding me that this is going to be a fair Mm -hmm. competition even if we wanted the competition to exist? It's not going to be fair. That's so obvious. So why are we even playing this game? And then one, oh, the Libertarian. This is where (laughs) Libertarians get me. He literally was like, oh, well, we can create these charter schools that are focused on, literally we could have it just focus on, like, things that would interest that community and that would really help the community. (laughs) Like, if you had a school that was focused really on, like, I know something to do with like history or African American history. And I was just like, that all sounds well and good, but didn't you just say fuck Social Security five seconds ago that would also help African Americans? <laughs> what are you talking about, sir? <laughs> um but yeah.
0: So you know, like that is a big critique of charter schools as like the competition. But that's because the concept of charter schools is based on a capitalistic ideation of education where we idolize privatization where like this also you can see this internationally with like American or even just like British NGOs in a lot of what is considered to be a developing country even though they're not developing we just fucked them over so hard that they're now poor um, that's, that's what developing means for real <laughs> um, so we go in there and we privatize our education systems instead of like encouraging like just like local development or even just national development in their own terms um, but like in charge of schools they're quasi-public, quasi public quasi private so they're kind of both because they are a private institution but they run on partially on public funding and part of what happens is like kind of like and people who support church schools are like well parents have a choice now i was like that doesn't make it okay that just means you recognize that the schools they have now are shit but instead of putting more money there you want more private funding and partial public funding in this other school because then the government doesn't have to spend as much money on it and, like, the community is expected to do it. And under the guise of choice and competition.
1: Exactly. And also, what kills me about that is, like, if you cared so much having more, better schools, um, why don't you even out that property tax, mm-hmm. right? And that, like, why are you... Because um, that's what's happened, right? That's why some schools are less off. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, they're in poor communities, like you said. So why don't you even that shit out? But they never want to do that no. shit. So there you go. And this
0: is, like, a basically what... A lot of people in educational theory, at least in my experience with educational theory, I'm sure if you are like more of an establishment mindset, establishment school will be different. But we call it like a band-aid fix to a bullet hole. You're like you're putting band-aid over a bullet hole. There's much more problems within our education system that need to be addressed before you just start doing this. And really what it does is like, yeah, it, it literally just takes funding away from those schools that need it the most because it's in those same areas it's in those same communities and therefore that pool of money becomes smaller it has to be divided between more schools and when a charter school has both public and both private funding they're obviously going to have more money for more resources because like these big philanthropists will make themselves feel better by like donating money supplies whatever to these schools like michelle obama like and those people the obamas love charter schools but like i i think they're a huge problem
1: One minute tangent. Okay, fuck (laughs) Michelle Obama, okay? I literally never said that before because I was like, you know what? She stays out of politics and I will not critique her ass, okay? But I will because she literally just said, oh, that young people don't give a shit about politics and they seem like they don't care anymore. I wonder why, goddammit, because your husband literally made sure that Bernie Sanders didn't win and who do young people support? Bernie Sanders. That's all I have to say. That's a side rant, but (laughs) fuck her so much
0: but also if you look looking at charter schools they're often run poorly get closed down quickly and are known for being overly strict on their students and their teachers their teachers are more overworked than a regular public school teacher and a lot of times there are less standards to become a teacher in a charter school than it is in like a regular public school the other thing if you go to places like new orleans which is especially since katrina their entire school system is basically charter schools now so that choice is essentially taken away because theres there all the public schools were essentially like closed. Because after Katrina, all the resources were gone. And people were like, oh, no, we'll just help those poor kids in crisis with charter schools. And a lot of people do not like them.
1: Yeah, exactly. Wait, I have something you just, I want to ask just, have you just said? Um, you just talked about lowering teacher qualifications. So how do you feel about that? Um, this is the one crazy thing mm-hmm. the Heritage Foundation person did not say but a lot was crazy. What do you think about, because some of the criteria seems like to be a lot, mm-hmm. and what only scares me about having a lot of, like, criteria qualifications, only is because we don't pay for college, right? So I do think we're, like, icing people out unnecessarily. Of course, I support college for all, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, what do you think the criteria should be for teachers? I'm curious.
0: So my main critique of lower qualifications is not, it's not that I think, people with teaching degrees are underqualified. He so said a lot of times charter schools are ran by people from organizations like TFA, Teach for America, which are basically just people who have a lot of times no background in education. Like if I went in TFA, I'd be up on their game. And I've only taken like five classes because that's all I need for my minor. I don't. I don't have a major. I don't have certification. But the whole point of Teach for America is to get people who don't have their teacher certification that want to help lower-income schools basically and a lot of which end up being charter schools and a lot of charter schools also have programs for people without teacher certification can get it through them but the issue is especially teach for america is basically you have one summer to really train you get your own classroom and the other issue is that there's a time limit you only have two years in teach for america so it creates this cycle where instead of like stabilizing by having like long-term experienced highly qualified teachers You just have these recent college grads coming in, getting their two years and then leaving to go to law school or start their own charter schools and stuff. A lot of times that happens. So it just kind of feeds into that issue of like there isn't enough stability within a lot of lower income schools because instead of, you know, moving higher experienced teachers from like the big rich schools to lower income schools, they just kind of be like, oh, yeah, we'll just have you come in and leave and come in and leave. Sometimes we will be there for five years or so because depending on the programs, the contracts are different. Mm-hmm. So that's really what I mean. I'm not trying to like...
1: No, no, I was just curious because I, I think that was an interesting argument she made mm-hmm. about that. But she'd probably be more in favor of what you just said, which is why I was like, mm, do I trust this woman, what she just said? No.
0: Fuck Teach for America. Honestly, let's. we can also go into that. I almost did it, though, until I learned. I was <laughs> like, no.
1: But yeah, because I was thinking the qualifications, it does seem like a little excessive, but... Because they have to go through like schooling and all this. And I was like, okay, that seems to be too much. But I'm also like, yeah, I still think you need training. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. going to like let you loose on kids and just like let that be. Yeah, no.
0: I think if you want to be a teacher, you need experience, not you need classroom experience. Yeah. I think just for yourself to be more comfortable with it. Because a lot of happens with Teach for America, is they kind of feel lost. Because, like, they don't have classroom experience and they're just kind of thrown in. Of course, not all of them. They have help a lot of times, but there are a lot of cases where they're literally just thrown in. Because they're at schools that are severely underfunded. A lot of times, severely understaffed. And they're, like, these, like, 22, 23-year-old grads who, like, really didn't understand what they were getting into. Which also creates the issue of white saviorism. Well, it doesn't create it, but, like, it does kind of bring about this issue of white saviorism. Because a lot of teachers are white, middle-class women Who, when they go into these schools, thinking like, oh my god, I'm gonna help these, like, poor black and brown kids. That's their mentality of, like, they just don't have the same resources as me, la, la, la. But they don't have, like, A, the cultural knowledge. Or B, they're racist at all times. They don't realize they're racist, but they're fucking racist. Just with the mentality of, I'm gonna help them. Um, And that's an issue that is kind of created by this kind of mentality of, we have to help these certain kinds of kids.
1: Yeah, I actually had a teacher like that my sixth grade when I went to the public school, and you could just tell she Mm -hmm. had no clue what to do. Like, no clue. And you're just
0: like... It's also unfair on the teacher.
1: No, yeah, because I'm like, girl, you shouldn't be here. She ended up leaving, but that's what kind of... It's just like... But she definitely had the mentality, oh, I'm going to save them. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, dude, they don't need you for that they need you to teach them to be patient to not call um the police every single time mm-hmm. there's dispute they need you to just treat them like they're human and not uh, empathize like that's all you need to do and you're a 10 times better teacher
0: your job is to teach them not to save them
1: yeah so it's just like
0: calm it down. also puts so much pressure on them because they feel like they have to do it like they're the ones that have to do it And i'm like you're not
1: no Maybe you can make a difference in your life. That might happen. That might not. That shouldn't be just be like, oh, I'm going to try to do my best. I'm going to do my job and just not be a shitty person. Because I think they confuse saving with just not Mm -hmm. being a shitty person. And those two things don't need to be the same thing. They can really just, like I said, just being like patient. If someone throws a book on the ground, Mm -hmm. don't freak out. They did it. Oh, well. (laughs)
0: Because like they act like white kids don't have tantrums
1: exactly and that and becomes do. the problem
0: because it's just like a lot of people don't even realize that they see it differently yeah like when a student of color specifically black and latino kids depending on your area versus how white kids react to things like they could have the exact same reaction the exact same tantrum they're gonna react worse to when kids of color do it than when white kids do it yeah um but like no that actually reminds me do you remember when Webb had that like relationship with pond gap elementary school because i went there once for like their after school thing basically pond gap was a community school they said basically almost like a charter school but not really um the way they talked about those kids in web and at pond gap we're like oh my god like they're needy um their parents aren't great they might be like they don't know and and this was kind of true for a lot of them We're like they don't know where their next meal is coming from or whatnot but i think what really ground my nerves just like not so subtle implication that they're like parents or druggies or just like terrible parents or whatnot when really the reality was they were just poor kids in knoxville um and you could see it in the way the principal and the teachers acted around the kids and that's why i only went there once because like they were like oh yeah they just really need some love and attention because they're not like other kids at all i was like no they are because i like had a conversation with these kids and stuff they were regular kids being treated like they were just like these special like also, service cases
1: yeah even if their kids let's just say the word whatever that their parents were terrible ad- 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 maybe they are
0: but we don't know that
1: we don't know that one but also what does that mean for that kid like you, that doesn't mean that kid still can't be
0: a regular kid,
1: kid. that doesn't mean that at all. There,
0: i think also what's really inappropriate is telling these private school kids a lot of which only experience is private school. These white, a lot of times just white web kids don't feed that into them. You know, don't feed that image they probably already have that like they're somehow better and that they need us, you know? Exactly. Just that drives me insane. Exactly.
1: They don't need you. They just need your parents to pay more taxes. Hello.
0: And they really, all they were looking for are people to like watch their kids. And I'm like, honestly, you should have not a bunch of high schoolers. You're not really training to do that.
1: I feel like I went to Ponca.
0: I went once. Like, they were like, oh, go to this room. And, like, no, there was no teacher there or anybody. I was like, this is so poorly run.
1: No, I meant, like, as a kid. Um, sure. probably. I don't I do even know. But that would just be, or something like that I definitely mm-hmm. did, right? And it's just like, exactly. That's just, because since we don't have universal daycare, that's what those type of institutions end up becoming, mm-hmm. right? Which overburdens <laughs> them, too, because then you're like, wait all this parent needed was a freaking daycare yeah like they didn't need anything literally else,
0: so i did after school daycare when i was at cedar bluff i don't i don't think it cost anything because my parents stuff. definitely couldn't afford for me to go to like a daycare that cost money and based on like the kids that were there that i knew like we weren't we weren't necessarily considered to be a poor school but they were just like yeah here's like after school care at cedar bluff here you go and i was there for like a year it was actually pretty great <laughs> but of course it was at a different kind of school that has a different image
1: yeah, exactly. Um so yeah, charter schools, stop that nonsense. Though apparently charter schools, I think charter schools and religious schools or maybe mm-hmm. just religious schools got money from the stimulus package and I was just I like they both dead. Fuck that. But okay. Um at the same time, you know, they get private funding. That's what kills me about it. You don't need the public funding. They don't. That's what kills me. The public school needs the public funding. That's all they're going to get. So they needed more resources. Like, if you really wanted to reopen schools in the fall, like, I actually wanted to do that, you needed a shit ton of money to do Mm -hmm. it. So, why didn't you just give all the money to the public schools? (laughs) Like, this could have been done, right? But now schools are underfunded. Mm -hmm. They don't know how they're going to do it.
0: We also have a massive teacher shortage. Oh, yeah. And it's teachers, getting worse because with th- what's happening with COVID, a lot of teachers do not want to go back. They're like, we don't want to leave the profession because we know there's a massive teacher shortage, but also I don't want to fucking die.
1: Yeah. Which, which annoys me because people, which I need to find some to The government's to, making
0: the teacher shortage worse.
1: Yeah. But it's like teachers are, have said before, like, oh, one, they've been apprehensive to ever strike because they know, oh, they'll just fuck over the kids that we actually care about. But even now they're like do we have to strike like people are like risking our lives at this point
0: because so. like teachers when they strike know they're doing it for the benefit of them and their kids but at the same time even if it's not to the benefit of the kids teachers are people that exactly. deserve living wages like conditions that aren't gonna kill them and like to not have to work multiple jobs a teacher as a profession is more it's like one of the most likely professions you have to have a second job for yeah most teachers i knew who like a lot of them worked at summer camp over the summer because like we can't just go an entire summer with no income because a lot of times they just don't have that income over the summer depending on where you work
1: exactly so support uh teachers who are striking because that's probably mm-hmm. gonna grow in number in the next month or so but exactly it's just so crazy that now, teachers are really like, do I live or but I think do I work?
0: There's also a I mentality that teachers are glorified babysitters. They're not even paid like glorified babysitters, for one. But also, they're not babysitters. They're teachers. Okay. Like, a daycare and a school are two different things. And I feel like people forget that. A teacher is not there just to watch your kids while you're at work. A teacher is there to teach your kids during school hours.
1: Exactly. And then they
0: go home to you or go to a different center for daycare. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's most of what I had prepared for this little podcast.
1: Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else education wise So we talked about we talked about charter schools.
0: Talked about STEM, talked about human capital theory, mm. social studies.
1: I feel like there is something. Oh, I don't think we've had this conversation on um the podcast, but we have it a lot with ourselves. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to say this one time, one at a time only. Fuck standardized tests. Oh, okay. yeah, standardized
0: testing is trash.
1: It's trash, and... Also,
0: part, part of funding is based on standardized testing, which screws over the schools that are already underfunded and under-resourced.
1: Exactly. So, Miranda and I are trying to go, I think, to graduate school. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have to take the GRE, but let's say she takes okay, it. Okay, if I go
0: to Austin, I do.
1: Whatever. Um... And then I have sick else at. And these tests are pretty expensive. Like, it's kind of insane that we're both paid $200 for a single mm-hmm. test. And does this test really matter? No. Does this really test if I'm going to be a good lawyer or not? Mm-mm. No. No, it does not. So, <laughs> I can be shitty. And this test could. good. Also,
0: if anyone's taken the GRE, you know how shit crazy it is and how stupid it is like those fucking questions i can't they're like the math ones the math ones get me also the reading comp gets me i'm like what what exactly
1: and you're like i'm actually a decent reader
0: and this doesn't make any goddamn sense <laughs>
1: exactly and also the test is like i hate when they're like oh this test is aimed to confuse you so mm-hmm. that you get it wrong. Why the fuck are you doing no, that No, it to like me? literally
0: the GRE is designed. And I'm pretty sure the LSAT too is designed to trick you. Oh,
1: no, exactly. Literally
0: when I took like, I took a fairly cheap $150 GRE course at school, which that that is cheap for GRE courses, unfortunately. Um, She was like, yeah, this test is designed to trip you up. And I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life.
1: Exactly. And that we accept that. Like I'm studying for the LSAT and there's like, I got a question wrong on the prep. And he was like, oh, yeah, like, they changed around the wording so that you would pick that so that you would get it wrong. Yep. And I was just like, what does this matter? So that's, like, the problem I'm having now is just that I'm like, God, I want to go to law school, but how am I going to do well on this test? But we'll see. We'll see. But I think this has to do – but also let's go back. I mean, we've clearly – going to grad school or whatever, that we've taken the ACT, SAT, and all that stuff. And now that this has been, like, now, it's real to, like, a part of now going to college and just standardized tests even before then, right? It's that the U.S. is too obsessed mm-hmm. with standardized tests. It's... They're crazy obsessed with it. Like, why? It's not making kids smarter. What evidence?
0: It's, like... It's an easy way. Because, like, our education system... It's based on, it's, it's severely outdated. Like, so the education system we have now is based around Industrial Revolution times, where you're basically just, like, training workers to work in a factory. Um, that's why we have bells and shit, and, like, really tight schedules. And we haven't really modified since then. We've done little bits of things, like adding subjects, like whatever, science or shit. Um, but we really haven't changed our educational structure from that which is part of the reason why we are so behind from a lot of other places um because we just won't change it like we're somehow stuck with this idea of this is how school is supposed to be also and a lot of people don't like this we need to switch to year-round schooling an entire summer off doesn't make sense in today's world of education which sucks to hear but like even like year-round schooling you're not there literally every day of the year It's basically most of the time designed six weeks on, two weeks off, and of course holidays and stuff. So you're there for six weeks, you leave for two weeks, six weeks, two weeks. So you just kind of do that all year round, and it's better educationally for people to absorb information and retain information, and also just like makes more sense than like ten months straight of work burn all the kids out, and then only give them three months off, because you end up having more time off on the year round schedule.
1: Yeah. You're right, you're
0: right. And the way we do school just burns kids out.
1: I mean, yeah, and this is a component of, like, the way we do school that really annoys me. It's, like, there's always a need for an accountability factor, which is where the standardized test comes in. Because why would you need standardized tests? Like, what other... Yeah, you want to see how people are doing, but you can just test people along the year and just be like, okay, they roughly understand this. Or you could
0: just trust teachers and schools.
1: No, they don't trust teachers that's
0: something we really talked about
1: no exactly that's what it's become and because they're like well i love the same people who are like well we don't know if the teachers are treating the black really it's like the black and brown kids mm-hmm. fairly or not and i was like dude you don't even fund the schools what are you talking about You I mean can't they're be the not same. you can't be the same person who's concerned about the teachers and you're not even funding the schools like stop but
0: but yeah because specifically i believe it's sweden part of the reason they're considered to be one of the best education systems is because there is national teacher trust people trust teachers to do their job they don't have as many check-ins from the government and things like that to come in they're just like oh you're qualified you've been to school to do this we're gonna give you enough money to live off of give you more time off because like they basically work at like a nine to five like it's not like the united states where teachers work like 50 hours a week or more um and like we're gonna trust you to do your job we're not really gonna butt in on you that much in the united states no it's very strict curriculums there's a lot of check-ins and especially standardized testing a lot of times decides whether teachers keep their jobs or not which puts a lot of pressure on teachers to teach towards a test which puts more pressure on students to do well on test because you never want to be the reason your teacher gets fired you know unless that was just a shitty teacher then you're like okay
1: <laughs> exactly but yeah which is what um we talked about this on another podcast what um essa that dynamic it's supposed to somewhat fix the how strict the accountability Mm -hmm. because like that was a really key point that everyone hated about no child left behind it was like it was so connected to whether the teacher we don't
0: respect teachers yeah i mean you can see that now we're literally expecting them to go in and die and just deal with it exactly we have no respect for teachers
1: so hopefully a that dynamic still is not solved in Mm -hmm. essa like at all but it is like like it's not as bad in essa which is like why i tried i said mm-hmm. that wasn't a total failure was, like that dynamic it's not immediately connected like they can use other things about what the teacher mm-hmm. does to say like this teacher shouldn't be fired whereas like before it was like are your test scores good or not it like who cares if you're the students like you who cares if like they've improved right you need to leave because the test scores are not high enough mm-hmm. But, yeah, so let's hope the U.S. moves away from standardized tests. Why do grad schools demand this? Dude, I just kicked, like, I just literally worked four years at an undergrad. Clearly this, yeah, I I did my work. Leave me alone. I Um, think
0: grad schools would be the first place to do that. And they're starting to move in that direction.
1: I mean, grad school, I mean, yeah, like, I think grad
0: school. Same thing with undergrads. Like, a lot of schools are starting to be like, standardized like SAT ACT optional yeah there's a movement for that going to happen and there are grad schools now which actually undergrads are doing it first where it's like jury optional and things of that sort
1: yeah law schools are
0: assholes law schools are assholes they're just very classes places
1: uh yeah definitely
0: like there's still people arguing about like whether the bar exam should be a thing this year for COVID I'm like they literally went to law school for four years I think that should be also, enough if they pass law school yeah, they can be you lawyers you
1: should not have passed them you should have like failed, <laughs> you should have them, failed out. them
0: out if you didn't think they'd be good lawyers like why did they have to take a bar exam now
1: exactly oh because now i didn't know this like the bar is only offered like a certain amount of times per mm-hmm. year and it's like not it's not frequent at all so people they cancel one of the bars mm-hmm. and people are like what well, the hell do i, I do? do now now i can't practice but yeah because you won't let me take the fucking bar and mm-hmm. i was like that's insane why also is the bar not online like stop playing yourself but
0: i think law schools are like the hardest ones to convince of this though
1: i mean yeah like Like
0: medical school i understand but medical school also has like residencies and shit after you get out of medical school
1: like yeah you'll be okay (laughs) um you'll get your practice (laughs) um Exactly. It's kind of crazy that law schools are being such a bad about it. I mean, they still haven't, like, made the LSAT for October online. Mm-mm. They're still playing with that the fact that we're going to be able to do it in person.
0: We're not.
1: I'm just like, why are you... Like, we all know that it's not going to get that better. Like, it's not going to be better literally, I would say, until sometime next spring, if that. Because we're already up to, like, 1,200 deaths again yeah. a day. So, it's like...
0: It's it's crazy.
1: So, then. No. But okay, so that was a little bit of education. We're on the theories. we talked about ourselves in the first episode. So this is part two. Um, follow us at I am Woken Tired on Instagram. <laughs> oh, one day I'll post something new. We'll see when that happens. <laughs> um, like, subscribe on YouTube or any other platforms. We're on six of them now, I think. So yeah, like please that. follow us. Um, share it with other people who you think would actually like this or hate it. I'm okay with getting views because people hate <laughs> it. Okay, thank you. Um, this is this was why I'm woke and tired. Uh, Chelsea, Miranda. So we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.